Amen. Well, I tell you what, it's good to be here tonight and uh, good to be with you, dear folks. And um, you can get your Bibles, turn to the book of uh, Nehemiah. And as you're turning there, uh, I'd like to say uh, from our family, on behalf of our family, we are so thankful uh, to be here at East River Baptist Church. And uh, to be honest with you, you dear people, have been a blessing to us. Um, you know, we didn't expect when we came to Texas. I pastored in Kentucky uh, for a little over 13 years in Kentucky. And uh, and then I moved on to Texas and uh, pastored there for a little over a year and a half. And I didn't expect when we uh, sold everything from Kentucky to be here tonight. And But you guys have been a blessing. I've known Brother Hoots from pastor schools uh, to different things, conferences he's been in. And uh, when we was looking for a church, we knew that uh, there was a church in Houston, but that meant we had to move to Houston. And uh, I told uh, Brother uh, Hoots the other day, I've finally learned how to drive in Houston. And so I, I was reading in the Bible, and I was uh, reading about Jehu, and uh, now I'm driving like Jehu. If you see me, uh, watch out, because, man, I'm darting in and out of traffic, learning how you all drive here, and uh, what a blessing, what a blessing, amen. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, did you all hear about the preacher? Uh, in Texas, he was preaching at the uh, uh, nearby uh, nursing home. Man, he was in there, and he was uh, preaching to those folks, and uh, he had a good time singing and preaching, had a great service, and uh, man, he just noticed everything was just orderly and scheduled, and man, everything was just so-so, everything was neat and clean in the nursing home, and uh, uh, when he was leaving there after the service, he uh, noticed the manager uh, that ran the nursing home. He was there and uh, walking out the door together and he says, man, uh, uh, how do you do it? How do you all do it? How do you all keep everything so clean and neat and organized? And man, this thing is just uh, running topside. And man, uh, how do you do that? And that guy, he said, man, he appreciated everything. And he was telling him. And he said, you know, the, uh, before he left, he, asked, uh, he said, uh, I got to ask you one question. He said, how do you determine... If somebody needs to be in the nursing home. And that guy, he looked over, the manager, he said, it's very easy. He said, what we do is we fill up a bathtub and we give uh, whoever it is that's looking and we give them a teaspoon, a cup, and then a large pail. And we tell them, uh, just go ahead and empty out the bathtub as quick as you can and empty all the water out. And the preacher, he leaned over and said, man, uh, uh, that's pretty neat. So I guess whoever picks the large pail means that uh, they don't have to be in the nursing home. And he said, well, it looks like you would rather pull the drain plug. He leaned over and said... Do you want a room with a window or do you want a room up front here? Sorry, Amy, I, I hope that was a blessing to you, but uh, tonight we're going to talk about Nehemiah, and I'm super nervous tonight, and uh, I've been preaching for 20 years now, and but in these 20 years I've always had a vacation, and that would be all I miss. I'd preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, of course all the Bible studies, 
all those different things. But I haven't actually been in the pulpit for now probably around 60 days. And you think, well, what, 60 days ain't much, but to a preacher, it's almost getting my feet wet again. So I'm going to try it out on you guys, okay? I want you to pray for me tonight. I know Brother Ed, he texts me. He was praying for me. And so tonight I'm going to warm up, I guess, on you guys. And I hope you can follow along. But Nehemiah chapter number 1 is where we're going to be at. And tonight I want to preach on the subject of having purpose in your life. Having purpose in your life. And I want you to stay with me on tonight. But I want you to notice in chapter number 1, we see I love uh, the man Nehemiah, the son of uh, Hakaliah. And man, what a man of God uh, and a man of uh, character Nehemiah is. Nehemiah is probably one of the, uh, my favorite books of the Word of God. I've got many others, but Nehemiah is one of them books. And I love the purpose, uh, the, the determination that Nehemiah has. It's amazing to me uh, when a man gets surrendered to God, when a man, when God is using a man... Uh, It's amazing to me to see a man uh, let God use him in such a way that he would go in and turn a city upside down. And so tonight I want you to uh, look at these traits that this man had and maybe we can look at our own lives. But you know very few character traits, traits if any, are more needful tonight in the Christian life than that of purpose. We live in a society of humanistic, live and let liveism and just take things as they come. And this philosophy tonight produces a worthless life and also it produces a weak church. To be honest with you, most churches don't even have a purpose. They come in and they just, uh, they lollygag around, that's how I'm going to call it, they use the wrong Bible, they come in. They haven't had a prayer life. They don't have the power of God on them. Uh, They don't have any outreach at all. They don't even uh, think about missionaries as you guys have 150 uh, missionaries. Now I can be part of that. And it's amazing to me. It's uh, odd to me that these churches, uh, man, they don't have no purpose in their life. You know, purpose is good. The Apostle Paul, he voices his purpose as far as the Corinthians are concerned. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses number 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now we come to the place here in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 1, and we see that the remnant, Nehemiah, is the cupbearer to the king, and we see he's in the Shushan palace, and there he hears about the news of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is in destruction. The people are in captivity. The gates of that dear city are on fire. They're burned. The people are scattered. They're weeping. And as Nehemiah heard this news, we see here in chapter number 1, in verse number 4, says, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. When was the last time did you ever weep? When was the last time you got on your, na- uh, your face before God and just wept before Him, cried out to Him? Nehemiah did this. He heard the great news that happened. 
And he sat down and he wept and he mourned. Notice this, certain, what does it say? Days. And fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And it says, uh, goes on in that chapter as he goes and uh, brings the cup before the king and, uh, as a servant. And he comes before the king and the king, he sees that uh, there's something wrong with Nehemiah's countenance. He's a little bit sad. And Nehemiah tells him exactly what is going on. And the king lets him go. He lets him go in chapter number 2 and uh, he sends him uh, with soldiers on his way with papers uh, signed by the king with his signet and he's there and he's uh, coming now to Jerusalem with the honorage and they're coming down and uh, they got their horses and their uh, camels and their mules and they're coming down to be a help to, uh, uh, to the city of Jerusalem. And we see in verses number uh, 14... In chapter number uh, 2, it says, Then I went onto the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered in, uh, entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. Verse number 17, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. Has God been good upon you? Man, He's good, been good upon me and my family. And also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. You know, there's always a good work, isn't there? Man, I tell you why, there's nothing better than the Christian living the Christian life, uh, walking with God each and every day, living for God. It's amazing to me. I wouldn't be here tonight if, if it was uh, the devil and if it was the world's uh, uh, plan for my life. I would have already been dead. I would have already been smashed down into the ground. But I'm so thankful that God's people have encouraged me. I'm so thankful that I have a God in heaven that cares about me. I'm thankful that God in heaven cares about my family enough that he says, hey, I'm going to help you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to take you from point A to point B. I am God and I have a purpose for you. You know, purpose is a great thing. Everyone in here in this room ought to have purpose. We ought to have goals set in our life. For instance, uh, there should be a parental goal. A parental goal. And, you know, those goals, uh, what are the goals of a parent, uh, for instance? It's not just to let your kids grow up and get out of the house and get them off our hands. That's in a lot of people. A lot. My dad always told me, I can't wait to break your plate. And that meant just to get out of my own, and I, I don't know how that was about each one of our, uh, us kids. But, of course, he was joking a little about that. But a lot of parents, they want their kids to get out of their house. They want them to grow up and hurry up and get out of the house. And, you know, uh, that's not a good goal to have. You know, I want you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians uh, on tonight. Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6 and verses number 4. The Bible says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children 
Uh, the Bible says to wrath. But bring them up in the nurturing uh, admonition of the Lord. You know, the proper parental goal should involve being uh, uh, being honest. That would be a good goal. Be a trustworthy person. Maybe a contribution to society and not uh, a burden. That would be a good goal to have. Uh, qualify themselves uh, as... Uh, a fitting parent. Uh, it's sad to me to say that there's so many parents. Uh, man, uh, we hear so many things on the news that parents do to their own children. Uh, man, it's it's a sick uh, it's a sick world that we live in. It's a wicked world that we live in. Another goal for a parent: be a true servant of God. That ought to be a goal of each and every one of us. Then we see. Uh, there should be a material goal. Many folks want only a job with a company that has good retirement, benefits, and then just barely make it through life. You know, we should set proper and meaningful goals to achieve uh, uh, materially. I want you to notice in First uh, Timothy real quick, and I, I want to use our Bibles tonight in First Timothy real quick, and I want you to see this tonight. I know many of you know this verse by heart, but First Timothy chapter number five and verses number eight, the Bible says, "But any if any provide not for his own." And especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith. And it, the Bible says, and he's worse than an infidel. That's pretty harsh language. You know, a husband is required to provide for his family and his widow upon his death. A Christian's family ought not to become a liability to society. We ought to have goals in our life. Our children, and I've told Shane and Sheena and my kids over and over again, I said, I, I, one thing I want from you guys is, number one, uh, I, I saved and baptized, uh, I, I get in the Lord's work. And I, I told them, I said, I want you to go get an honest job. No matter if you're in the ministry or not, I want you to get an honest job serve God, have a great family, but still get in uh, to the Lord's work while you serve at a, uh, a job outside. And you think about this. So many people, uh, they're a liability to society. And it's a shame today that we have men and women that are still gaming when they ought to be working. I know a man right now. He is 37 years of age. Now get this. 37 years of age. Grew up in church, all those things. I don't know what he heard in church, but he is offered a little over 100000 a year just to come and show up at work. That's it. And you know what he told his dad? He told his dad no. He said, I'm going to stay in bed. He said, I'm going to live at the house. And he said, uh, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to game all day long. He's got long hair. He just he's, uh, His skin is white as can be like Casper because he hasn't seen no, the, the sunlight. And he's there. His goal in life is just to game 
and beyond his game and 37 years of age, and yet he has not ever showed up to his job that I know about. What a shame. I was talking to the family the other day, and still yet they're fighting with their own son to even get up out of bed. You know, that's a shame. That's a shame when we, you have somebody that could work and do something he doesn't have. No purpose in life. He doesn't have any goals uh, that he's trying to press towards. And, you know, tonight we ought to have parental goals. We ought to have material goals. And then, uh, thirdly, we ought to have spiritual goals. And uh, the book of Philippians talks a lot about that. I want you to notice in the book of Philippians chapter number 3, chapter number 3, verses number 8, the Bible says, "...in being found in fashion as a man." He humbled himself and became obedient unto what? Death. Even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That's the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory, uh, to the uh, to the glory of God, the Father. You think about that. It goes on and says, "Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will." And to do of his good pleasure. Notice that. Do all things, all things, all things without murmurings and disputings. You know, we ought to have a parental goal, a material goal, a spiritual goal. But purpose tonight. Purpose. uh, Nehemiah had this purpose. We see they came to Jerusalem, Brother Hoots, with purpose. He came to Jerusalem with a purpose. And I think about that. I think the life uh, that uh, Nehemiah portrayed and the character they portrayed. Can you imagine a man uh, solely coming down uh, uh, as he prayed and he wept before God. And God said, I want you to get to Jerusalem and help your people. And Nehemiah is doing that. He's got a plan. And he views the walls. He goes out at night and they're... Uh, there is obstacles in his way. The wall has been torn down. There's many rocks and stones. And man, uh, the Bible says that his beast cannot even pass. So he gets off his beast and he goes around and he walks the, uh, at the valley point uh, down in the valley. And he goes down there and he, he views the walls. I don't know if he's doing this or not. You know, I, I wish I could take pictures, but I can't. You think about that, he viewed the walls. And he looked at what? was ahead of him. He saw the gates. Can you imagine the gates down on the ground and they're singed with uh, ashes and man, you smell the smoke of the city. And as he's in the darkness looking about that, he's weeping, crying, but he's thinking, I can redo this. With God's help, I can do this. I'm going to get some people over here. I'm going to get some People over there. I'm going to get these people to do the gates. I want somebody to do the old gate, the fish gate. I want these people to do uh, uh, the fountain gate. I'm going to. I'm going to put these people here. And he had a plan. He had a purpose. He had a goal. And that's why. And with God's help, God blessed that. And God saw that uh, this city got to be rebuilt again. And man, we see a glorious time. All because he had purpose. 
But with that purpose tonight, as I'm going to finish with this, there's always opposition. I wish life was so easy. I wish life was easy, but it's not. I wish. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, I understand we have a great end. But man, all the way between, there, it's, there's a lot of opposition. And any time that you're doing something for God, any time that you're uh, being the mom that you need to be or the grandma that you need to be or the husband to the grandfather uh, and uh, to you, uh, some of you teenagers being uh, uh, the uh, child you need to be, I'm going to tell you something. If you're doing God's will and you're doing it His way, there's going to be always, always, always opposition. That opposition is the reason I'm here tonight and not down somewhere else. Me and my family, we've cried for a lot of nights. I knew I needed to... I, I did not come here to uh, work at Beasley Tire. I didn't come here to get a job here in Houston. First thing I needed was a good counselor and a good preacher. That's why I'm here tonight. I needed a man that had some vision. I needed a man that had some purpose about him. That's why I'm here tonight. And I have been blessed with you people as well. I never knew that I was going to get you as well. Uh, there's many of you I've met, and some of you I haven't met. Uh, uh, we haven't talked a lot, but I'm going to tell you something. You guys have been a blessing to us. A blessing. Because when, uh, when we came here, we was at our lowest. We didn't have a house. We didn't have a job. We didn't have... Uh, um, uh, I, I, I preached every week. I, 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 we didn't have anything. We didn't have no food, no nothing. Zilch. And I had to find something within me. It's kind of like Jeremiah. I'm going to be a little transparent here. I could have quit. I could have just said, kids, man, life ain't worth living. I could have said, man, serving God is this what it's all about. But I had to dig within myself. God is still in control. God has got this thing. Might not make a lick of sense. It doesn't make a lick of sense. Everybody would want me to move back to Kentucky. And I was like, no, I can't move back to Kentucky. It's just uh, not yet, not yet. God, He sent me here. And I don't understand why I'm in Texas, but I'm here. And we do like it, by the way. Amen. We love you. We love Texas. We do. But my family and uh, my friends, everything we've known is hills of Kentucky, and we're down here, no family, not one a single family. But see, wherever we go, we make family with yes. the church. Right. And already, man, I know uh, sometimes you think, well, they're a little quiet or they're getting a little bit too clingy. Uh, you guys are our family. And we pray for our family. We love our family. We care about you. And I, I find myself praying for you each and every day, and I think I don't even know these people. And I'm praying uh, for them after 45 days, and I got up and
testified for uh, Brother Ed Fierbach, and uh, he's been my Sunday school teacher maybe for uh, maybe for just a month, but yet, man, I loved him, and man, he's uh, done a great job, and I grew close to him, and he prayed for me tonight, and I was thinking, who in the, in the world is texting me right now saying they're praying for me? And it said, Brother Ed. He's already family. You guys are my family now. I'm going to say something. There is opposition. I want you to uh, look at with me real quickly in verse chapter number four and verse number six, and I'll be through. I want you to notice in verse number six it says, "So built we the wall. That's great. And all the wall was joined together, and the half thereof. And for the people, uh, for the people had a mind to work. Praise God." But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up, that the breaches began to be stopped. Then they were very wroth. Notice what they do. And they conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem. And the Bible says to hinder it, to hinder the work. This church, I'm telling you, you all have, we have, I can be saying that, we, we have a great church with a great pastor, and man, we have a vision, and we've got to keep moving forward. Your beliefs, man, this town needs this. They need the old gospel, the old, this old book, this town uh, needs it desperately. Uh, we need to win them to Christ. We need to support every missionary that we possibly can. And uh, praise God for the 150. But I'm thankful where the direction this church is heading. But there is always a Sam Ballin, Tobiah, and the Arabians. Uh, the problems that come, these old rascals, they come in every church, uh, uh, and that's, uh, that's wanting to grow and be closer to God and do something for God. These men and these people always come through and they start gossiping and tearing God's things down. In your life, if you're going to be a good parent, this world is going to say, man, why are you believing in that fairy tale of the Word of God? You need to stay focused. You need to know who your God is. You need to remember when you got saved and born again. You need to remember those days and you need to remember what God has done in your life. And you can turn around and you can say, hey, it is no fairy tale what we're doing. When we go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, hey, you're taking your kids to that. You're uh, getting them in Master Club. You're getting them involved in the church. They're uh, memorizing. You know what somebody told me, a, a, a so-called Christian told me the other day? They said it is wrong for anybody to let their kids memorize Scripture. That's what happened. I, I was floored. I've never heard that in my life. And I said, so you're telling me that you're letting your kids just memorize everything else out in the world, even if it's a goodly things. And you don't want your kids to memorize Scripture? Sad. This world is going to tell you, you parents are going too far. That's where you need to stay focused. 
They're going to tell uh, uh, you men, hey man, uh, you don't have to work so hard. You need to be on the golf course. You need to be doing this. Hey man, uh, get your wife out there working. Put her to work. And man, you need to stay focused. Even at church, we got to stay focused on what we're doing. You know what purpose does? The right purpose gives us a focus in life. I'm going to say this. Brother Hoots, the Word of God and what His promises here and His instruction book that I hold in my hands. This book, it gives me purpose and meaning to wake up. This book, it drives me. It drives me to live a better life. It makes me get up in the morning and I don't just get out and uh, just holler and can't believe I have to give up, get up. But I thank God every single morning, no matter if i got a headache or not, man, I go outside, no matter if it's raining or uh, even sunshine, man, praise God, I get to live another day. It's a blessing. It's a blessing that we got our health and strength. It's a blessing to have that. And that's what drives me is this book and what I get from God's word. It gives us a passion. Why are you uh, what thri- uh, why, why are you living for? I ask you that question. What are you living for in life? Something that you uh, that just you want to do in life. It ought to be to serve God. Amen. To serve God. You ought to have a passion for Christ. Also, it gives you strength. Philippians chapter four, verse thirteen. God is the one that gives us the strength. And we we'll go on. And in your darkest hours, Nehemiah, he saw, he had to start giving uh, his people weapons. They held a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. And they kept on that wall and they kept putting the wall together. They asked them to come down. Come down and get in a meeting. And what they were going to do if they came down, they were going to kill Nehemiah. And I'm going to tell you something. The devil is going to try to kill you if you get out of your purpose, if you get out and uh, just uh, get down to his level and say, well, I don't have to read my Bible anymore. I don't have to do my devotions. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to listen to the preacher. I don't have to get excited no more about the Lord's work. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. The devil will snatch you up and he'll kill you. You see, we can't fight the devil in our own strength. Then also the right purpose gives us fulfillment. Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, all these things are vanity. All these things.